0: Welcome, listeners, and thanks for stopping by. We've now reached over 900 listens in just five months and are rapidly nearing 1,000. I've seen steady progress in the number of people listening to the podcast every week, and that's all you're doing, and I'm thrilled you enjoy coming back again and again to take in the episodes each week. I thought I'd take the opportunity to share some analytics to date with you. The Paranormal Factor podcast is now listened to in 21 countries. While there are slightly more male listeners, it's pretty close to even between male and female. Our first episode, The Socorro Incident, is still the most listened-to installment, followed by scary Ouija board stories. Just over half the listens are on the Apple Podcasts and Spotify listening platforms, although we are listened to on 11-plus platforms in all, and over 60% of our listeners are in the 35-59 to age group. As you can see, we continue to grow, and again, it's really all due to you. Once more, thank you for making the time to be a part of the Paranormal Factor podcast family of listeners. Now, on to the episode. In 1964, near Jefferson, Wisconsin, Dennis Fewless saw a creature weighing between 400 and 500 pounds. The beast, he stated, had dark brown hair, was really covered completely in hair, and was a full-on eight feet tall. It ran across the highway in front of his vehicle and then jumped a fence. Fewless was shocked and terrified. What he saw is what has been named the Dogman, the Wisconsin werewolf, and for one specific Wisconsin location, the Beast of Bray Road. The description, it's fairly constant. The creature stands about 6 to 7 feet tall and weighs somewhere in the range of 600 to 700 pounds. With hair all over its body, it resembles a large, muscular dog or wolf with a protruding, canine-like snout, pointed ears, and, just as you would expect, large, sharp fangs. Most frightening of all, it has the ability to stand up on its hind legs and walk and run like a human, terrifying those who have encountered it. We're not talking about a Hollywood-created monster up on the screen in an old or new horror film. What I have described to you is an alleged, actual, physical creature seen by dozens of witnesses, often under threatening and frightening circumstances. While some have referred to it as a werewolf, mainly due to its appearance, there is no known association with the classic werewolf shape-shifting human. Instead, this seems to be a beast that is what it is, no full moon required. Others refer to the creatures of this kind as a category known as dogmen. This is also mainly due to the appearance of these beasts. The descriptions given are remarkably consistent over years of sightings. There are so many sightings in a huge number of locations, both in the United States and other countries, that it truly would take us three or four episodes just to do all of them justice. Yet, there is one legend that has amazing traction, with dozens of sightings over the years. The Beast of Bray Road. So, we'll be focusing on the state of Wisconsin, where this creature has been encountered in abundance, especially in one particular area of southeast Wisconsin. You see, near the small town of Elkhorn lies a country road, Bray Road. And the beast that inhabits the area has been seen many, many times over the years along this road. The beast may go all the way back to the very first settlers in Wisconsin who described canine creatures who would attack and then vanish without a trace. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. First, let's look at the background of dogmen werewolf sightings in Wisconsin and hear about some of those earlier encounters. The Beast of Bray Road, also known as the Bray Road Beast and the Wisconsin Werewolf, is a purported humanoid, wolf-like creature allegedly witnessed in or near the rural community of Elkhorn, Walworth County, Wisconsin. It has since become a part of Wisconsin folklore and has been the subject of multiple books, documentaries, and a 2005 horror film. Named for the farm road in which it was first allegedly sighted, Bray Road, reports of the creature in the 1980s and 1990s prompted a local newspaper, the Walworth County Week, to assign reporter Linda Godfrey to cover the story. Godfrey was initially skeptical, but later became convinced of the sincerity of the witnesses. Her series of articles later became a book entitled The Beast of Bray Road, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf. The beast of Bray Road is most often described by alleged witnesses as large, between six feet and seven feet tall, with a humanoid style body covered in fur or hair, and with a head resembling a wolf, or sometimes even a bear. It is purported to have been seen moving as both a quadruped and a biped, and some reports describe it more closely resembling a traditional werewolf, or sometimes even a Bigfoot. The Beast of Bray Road is a famous legend, known for its location on Bray Road, which starts along Highway 11 east of Elkhorn and winds west to Highway Inn Inn, just outside of the Elkhorn Area High School. A hairy humanoid with canine features, the Beast of Bray Road has been sighted in Wisconsin dating back to 1936 on a rural road outside of Elkhorn. More recent sightings in the 1980s and 1990s place the creature in Racine, Walworth, and Jefferson counties. Those who have seen the beast describe him as often eating or hunting and scavenging. Also known as man-wolf, bear-wolf, this indigenous dogman is said to have a body that, though furry, looks like a muscular man. The creature is said to run and walk on all fours of its legs or just its hind legs and has been spied sitting on its haunches and kneeling like a man. Some people believe it is a werewolf, others that it's a Bigfoot, and some believe that it's a yet unidentified species, or maybe a beast from another dimension. Though it's never attacked anyone directly, some witnesses claim that it has acted aggressively, running at them and jumping on their vehicles. Some researchers consider the beast of Bray Road to be identical to a kind of Wisconsin Bigfoot that locals call the Bluff Monster, or the Eddie. Others, including many Native Americans, believe it to be the wendigo, which has often been spied in Minnesota. Others believe that it's simply been misidentified and it's a wolf or a bear or just a large feral dog. Whatever it is, there is more than one, author Linda Godfrey told NBC 15 in 2009. It seems to be more of a scavenger that wants to frighten people. Maybe it's territorial. It seems to want people to leave it alone. Many locals considered the beast of Bray Road to be a werewolf. Some cryptozoologists, however, considered it only another species of Bigfoot sightings. In 1999, an 18-year-old girl was driving down Bray Road near Delavan when she says her right tire hit something, lifting it off the ground. She stopped and got out to see what she had run over, but there was nothing there. She looked to the side of the road and saw a massive, wolfish form standing on two legs. She rushed back into the car, and as she peeled away, the beast leapt onto her trunk, but slid off in the slick rain, and she sped home. When she came forward with her story, many of the other sightings were reported as well, prompting both further investigation and, of course, fresh skepticism and mockery. So, reporter Linda Godfrey was assigned by her paper to investigate. And again, while initially skeptical, Godfrey says she came to believe the sincerity of the witnesses who spoke to her. She came to believe that there really is something out there. The question is, what is it? On her website, Godfrey writes, There is a high probability that everyone is not always seeing the same thing. There could be a biological, physical animal seen by some while others see phantoms or supernatural entities from a variety of sources. A few may be misidentifications or hoaxes, she notes. In 2003, Godfrey wrote The Beast of Bray Road, tailing Wisconsin's werewolf, which recounts in depth what she learned speaking to the many witnesses in and around Elkhorn, who report interactions with the beast. We'll post a link in the resources section of the show notes. But let's talk a little about some of the earlier reports in the area that happened well before Godfrey's involvement. 1936 Night Watchman encounters a beast. Mark Shackleman arrived at St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children a little before midnight. He carried his flashlight on his belt as the night watchman for the school, he walked these grounds every night. The school was located inside a former Franciscan convent outside Jefferson, and the grounds covered several old buildings and orchard and wide open fields where several old Native American burial mounds had been preserved. The year was 1936. Shackleman was in his 30s, a husband and a father, working the uneventful job for a paycheck to support his family. In rural Jefferson, there wasn't much to worry about, save the possibility of a burglar or some teenagers playing a prank. That night, Shackleman was crossing the fields when he saw a shadow. He squinted to see what it was. A hunched form was on all fours digging into one of the burial mounds. From the canine way it dug, it could have been a dog or maybe a wolf, but even from far away, Shackleman could see that the thing was far too big for that. Suddenly, it looked at him, and then it stood up. The sleek, hairy body unfurled to over six feet tall. It had a shaggy, canine face, but beneath the thick fur, the muscular body of a man. A low growl echoed across the field. He smelled rotting meat, his heart beating fast, trying to control his breath. Shackleman stepped back. With sudden violence, the thing turned and ran off into the trees and was gone. The next night, Shackleman returned to St. Coletta for his usual rounds. As he walked the fields, he saw the shadow again, digging into the same mound as the night before. This time, he gripped his flashlight tight, ready to run or swing if need be. Again, it stood up, but this time it opened its mouth. Shackleford saw fangs hanging down from its teeth, and its lips pulled back into a snarl. It growled at him. It's speech, half human and half beast. He didn't move, and again, the creature turned and left. He never saw it again, but the horrendous growl, the way it seemed to speak to him, stuck in his mind for years afterward. This encounter was the first reported sighting of the creature that would eventually become known as the Beast of Bray Road. Sightings came intermittently after that 1936 sighting, but they did occur before becoming more prevalent in the 1980s and 90s, particularly around Elkhorn. 1972 Farmhouse Attack In 1972, a woman called police to report an attempted break-in. When interviewed by the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources during an investigation, the woman stated that the intruder was a large, unknown animal. It approached her home and tried to enter through a door. She also later reported the beast returned to her home and injured a farm animal inflicting a deep wound that extended from one shoulder to the other. Her description matched that of the beast of Bray Road. The only evidence left behind was a footprint, which measured over 12 inches in length. 1977, Kim Del Rio Encounter Just seven years old in 1977, Kim Del Rio encountered a giant animal in her neighborhood. She described the beast. It had human fingers, bushy hair, big teeth, big hands, and it seemed to be nervous and twitchy. Kim was hypnotized in later life to try and remember more details of the incident and maybe explain why the creature appeared in an obvious state of anxiety. 1981 M. Kirchnik Encounter An artist, M. Kirshnick, was traveling through Elkhorn, Wisconsin in 1981 when he saw something very strange, something that would continue impacting him right up to today. He saw a large creature standing behind a fallen tree. The creature made eye contact with Kirschnick. Decades later, he still creates artwork of the beast he saw that day. Other Encounters A woman spotted it crossing the road in front of her car while yet another driver saw it crouched on the side of the road, eating an animal. One young girl reported the beast chasing her through the forest. While these early sightings of dogmen creatures are compelling and add context to the region's paranormal history, they are merely the precursor to the beast of Bray Road, stepping full on into our modern world. He did so in a big way in 1989, and multiple times. Eyewitness accounts date back to the formation of the state with indigenous people describing a race of dogmen, but the most compelling sightings of the Beast of Bray Road occurred between 1989 and 1992. The local reporter, Linda Godfrey, who first covered the story, was so convinced of the eyewitness accounts that she felt compelled to write the book to explain the story. She believes the beast is real, but has never had a first-hand experience with it. In the 1980s, several alleged witnesses reported the Beast had made contact with their vehicles, leaving long scratch marks on doors and trunks. One witness stated she hit something while crossing Bray Road. Upon exiting her vehicle to determine what she had hit, supposedly a large wolf-like creature with red eyes chased her back to her car, leaving claw marks in the rear passenger door. Sightings have also been reported during daylight hours, with several witnesses stating they observed an unusually large wolf-like creature running on all fours through cornfields. One stated the creature was in pursuit of a deer. Animal mutilations have also been reported in the area along Bray Road with animal remains, including deer and livestock, partially eaten, with specific organs removed from the animal carcasses. Another eyewitness reported driving down Bray Road late one night and observing an unusually large wolf-like creature eating an animal which had been hit by a car on the side of the road. The creature reportedly ran into the woods as the eyewitness approached it in their vehicle. Bray Road is a modest stretch of road running east from the small Wisconsin town of Elkhorn. It's also the particular stretch of road in which the beast of Bray Road gets its name, though a sighting in 1989 would elevate this beastly creature's illustrious legend. Dairy farmer Scott Bray admitted to seeing a strange-looking dog in his pasture near Bray Road in September or October of 1989. He described the creature as larger and taller than a German Shepherd with pointed ears, a hair-covered tail, and gray and black fur. The beast seemed to be bulkier in the front with a strong chest. He tried to follow the bizarre dog to a large pile of rocks, however he lost sight of it. Proof of the occurrence remained in the form of huge footprints. Russell Guest reported another sighting around the time of Scott Bray's reported sighting. He said he was about a block away from an overgrown area when he heard the brush being rustled as if an animal was there. A beast appeared standing on its hind legs. Guest stated that it took a couple of wobbly steps forward before he ran away. As he ran, Guest looked over his shoulder to see if he was being followed. He noted that the beast had gone down on all fours, but was not chasing him. It eventually wandered toward Spray Road. Guest also described the beast as covered in black and gray fur and larger than a German shepherd. He estimated its upright height, as around five feet, with an oversized dog or wolf head, wide neck and shoulders. He believed it to be some kind of dog and wolf hybrid, because its primary features were canine. It was a brisk night around 1.30 a.m. in the autumn of 1989. All was dark and quiet on the backcountry Bray Road, connecting Highway 11 and County Road Inn Inn. Lori Andresi, was driving home from her job as a bar manager of Elkhorn Lodge, and that's when she saw it. As she rounded a bend, she saw what she initially perceived as a human being kneeled or hunched over the side of the road. She slowed down to take a look through the passenger side window. She was roughly six feet away from the figure and got a look at it for about a full 45 seconds. It was kneeling with its back turned to her short, pointed ears being the only real thing to stand out. She described it as a beast with gray-brown fur, fangs, and pointed ears. She said it had a long face with a snout like a wolf. She also stated that its eyes glowed yellow, even though her headlights were not reflecting on them at that point. As Andresi drove closer, it turned, showing off its strangely canine face. Its elbows were up and its claws were facing out, so I knew it had claws, claims Andresi. I remember the long claws. Those claws seemed to be holding roadkill. Its arms were jointed like a human's and it seemed to hold its food with its palms up, which is unlike any local animal. The beast was muscular with humanesque fingers and those long claws. Andresi could not see a tail, but its back legs were behind it, similar to a person who was kneeling. It appeared to be five foot seven and about 150 pounds from what she could tell at a fleeting glance. However, unlike most wild animals, this canine creature didn't run off, but instead gazed directly into her eyes. Andrizi drove off. She felt as if it were so like a human that there could be no trace of a wild animal being felt in those eyes. To this day, I believe it was satanic, she says. It was just my feeling. I don't really believe in werewolves per se, but I believe something could be conjured up. My grandmother was very religious, and she believed it too. Andrizi was completely unnerved by the sighting. At some point later, Lori Andrizi went to report her story to the Walworth County Animal Control, and hers would be one of the first to enter into Animal Control Officer John Fredrickson's manila envelope labeled werewolf, where sightings of the beast of Bray Road would be collected. Another dairy farmer, Mike Etten, made a report about a sighting that occurred in March of 1990. He admitted to having been drinking around the time of the incident, but claims he saw a dog-like beast that was much larger than a domesticated canine. He described it as sitting like a raccoon, using its front paws to hold on to something it was eating near the Bray Road-Hospital Road intersection. As he passed by, the beast looked at him with a thick, wide snout that Etten described as shorter. Than a dog's muscle. Its legs were thick and it was covered in dark hair. Initially, Etten had dismissed the creature as a bear, but after hearing other similar reports in 1991, he began to wonder if that was accurate. Heather Bowie, who was 11 years old at the time, claimed a similar incident occurring around Christmas of 1990. Bowie's story was passed on by the bus driver Pat Lester, who was also Lori Lester told Linda Godfrey what she had overheard and Bowie later elaborated when asked about the incident. Bowie's sighting occurred around 4:30 pm while she was on her way home from sled riding with friends. Near Loveland Road which was about a mile and a half southeast of the intersection of Hospital Road and Bray Road they saw a large dog walking along a creek in a cornfield. Bowie estimated the creature was about a block away assuming it to be a dog the children called it to them noticing its audience the creature watched them then stood up on its hind legs it took four steps in their direction although it appeared unaccustomed to walking on hind legs it then dropped down on all fours and charged the children bowie claimed the creature was able to leap a bigger leap than dogs run the group ran away the beast followed them about halfway to bowie's home which was about 250 yards from where they spotted it, before veering away. The second story to enter into John Fredrickson's report, however, wouldn't take place until a year later, though it would happen on the exact same stretch of road where Laurie Dreesy saw her beast. Doris Gibson was also a student on the bus driven by Pat Lester, Laurie Dreesy's mother. Doris approached her with a report of a walking dog man except to further add to the legend of the Beast of Bray Road, this one took place on Halloween night. That's quite the coincidence. Doris Gibson was driving to a friend's house that 1991 Halloween night to pick up another friend from a party when she hit something on the foggy stretch of Bray Road, causing her front tires to lift off the ground. She got out of her car to investigate, thinking she had hit a small animal, but found signs of neither animal nor injury, so... She made her way back to her car. That was when a creature lunged at her through the fog. Brown, straight fur, a canine face, a muscular frame, and striding on two legs. Gibson quickly bolted to her car door, too afraid to get a closer look. "'I just put my foot on the gas pedal, and I started going,' she said. However, as soon as she tried to pull out of there, the upright creature tried holding on to the rear bumper of the car to prevent it from getting away.' As she pulled away, the beast leapt onto her trunk. The beast could not get a hold on the wet car exterior and slid off. Deep scratch marks were visible on the car's rear bumper the next day. This is not where the story ends, though. On the way back that night, Gibson's new passenger and friend shouted, Look at that thing! The two of them saw the same muscular, werewolf-like being, and Gibson did not hesitate to put the pedal to the floor and get out of there. One of the final sightings of this key 1989-1992 to period happened in early February 1992. It happened around 10.30 p.m. on Highway H, about six miles southwest of the Bray and Hospital Roads intersection. A young woman named Tammy Bray, who worked for a retirement home, was driving along when a large dog-like animal crossed the road in front of her. She quickly punched the brakes and slid to a stop, just about the same time that the creature turned and looked at her. She described the creature as having a broad chest and pointed ears and being covered with matted brown and black fur. The narrow nose, thick neck, and shining yellow eyes of the beast quickly convinced her that she was not looking at any sort of dog. Finally, it continued on, unafraid, across the road, and she noted that it walked strong in front, more slouchy, sloppy-like in the rear. Tammy drove home and hurried into the house to tell her husband, Scott Bray, that she had seen the same animal that he had seen earlier in their pasture. There were years when sightings and media attention seemed to die down. Then there was a sighting in the Franklin area in 1997. An anonymous witness reported the following. I lived in the town of Franklin, Wisconsin. This was about uh, 1997, 98, We had just moved into a brand new subdivision and were currently the only house that was built. The rest of the area for a long distance was just empty lots on what used to be the adjoining farm's old land. Our backyard had a running creek and on the other side of the creek was some brush and a single lane road with an old wooden street light that gave off an orange hue about thirty yards or so away. It was a warm summer night and I was having a sleepover with one of my friends. We had all the lights off and were playing hide-and-seek in the dark. I went back into our sunroom and saw something crouched over, illuminated through the brush and the orange streetlight. I'm not sure how to describe its body posture. You know how when you're about to throw up and you hunch over on your knees and palms? Well, it was similar to that. Its breaths were so deep and heavy that you could see its chest heaving from that distance. We had a 140-pound Akita who stood six feet on his hind legs. I could easily tell that whatever this was dwarfed my Akita. I also know that it wasn't any type of dog or wolf. Its hind legs were thick and muscular like a man's, but its body tapered at the abdomen, and it had a head like a wolf or canine. I called out to my friend, who came over and just said to me, what the hell is that? Trying not to make much noise, we sat there as it was hunched for a good 30 minutes. My dad, who was a Vietnam vet, came out to see what we were doing up so late. We asked what it was, and he just said, I don't know. He then went outside as we stayed in, scared for my dad. He had one of those old mega lights that had the power of a thousand candles, and he took it with him. He stood in the driveway and shined it onto whatever we were watching. It looked back at us, and I honestly don't remember its eye color. What I do remember is that when it took off into the brush, it took off upright, like a sprinter starting from an all-fours stance. My dad heard it splash through the creek and hightailed it in. It was one of those moments you don't really talk about because people will think you were crazy. When when I heard about it so many years later, I immediately knew I'd seen it too. I spent some time on Bray Road. A good friend of mine has too. You You just hear things in the woods, maybe see shadows in the fields, but... I've never had a true sighting of anything, just a creepy feeling of being watched, but that could simply be nerves as you're expecting or hoping for something to happen. I had something on two legs run out in front of me on the north side of Madison Middleton, but it happened so fast it's hard to say what it was or could have been. Maybe it was just a deer, wolf, or coyote lunging, but it seemed pretty big. But I'll never forget that sighting when I was a kid. There were some other sightings in the early 2000s. In the Honey Creek area of Wisconsin, a family on their way home from a Friday night fish fry spotted something on the bridge in front of their vehicle. It turned toward the car and stared at the family before jumping off the bridge. The red-haired beast was more than seven feet tall and appeared to weigh 600 to 700 pounds. Don Young, a hunting guide in the Bray Road area, has seen the werewolf five times since 2002. He describes it as seven feet tall with brown-black hair, human feet, and black eyes. On a sunny day in 2003, a young man saw a six-foot-tall creature in the local cemetery, with one foot perched on a gravestone. It had big hair, a pronounced brow, wide nose, and an ape-like mouth. Katie Zahn was traveling through the state park in Rock County in 2004 when She saw some creatures drinking water from a creek as a human would. And in 2006, a deer hunter spotted a large monster that appeared hunched over and bulky with human-looking feet. It could leap 12 feet in only two or three steps. One of the suburbs of Madison, Wisconsin's capital, is Finchburg, which lies to the southwest of the city. And it is in Finchburg that this next 2006 encounter of a potential dogman takes place. It was a cool night in fall, September to be exact, at about 2 a.m. in the morning. A Minnesota college student named Matt was up late working on his homework when he heard strange popping sounds, almost like bubble wrap being played with, coming from the walls. Then all of a sudden, thousands upon thousands of birds were startled and flew off loudly. a Really odd thing for the middle of the night, and that was when he felt it. The tremors of a minor earthquake. Well, this answered all of the questions for Matt regarding the weirdness, so he just went back to his work. That was when another sound pierced through the air, almost seeming to ring across the whole neighborhood. A blood-curdling, almost murder-victim-like scream. Worried about potential harm stemming from the earthquake, Matt rushed outside. The screaming continued as he ran out into the street, and just as a car approached, shining its headlights, Matt saw something unusual in the glow of the car, a humanoid creature with a wolf-like head. The screaming stopped, and the canine cryptid ran off as soon as the car approached, making it hard for Matt to explain too many details. The car then stopped behind Matt, turning out to be a police officer, who proceeded to ask the college student, are you the one who called? Apparently, though, the officer wasn't checking up on any screaming, only on concerns coming from the earthquake. Still, after the officer left to investigate the neighborhood further, Matt would hear the same noise intermittently throughout the rest of the night, and indeed, a handful of nights afterward as well. Reported sightings continued and have even been as recent as February 2018 and July 2020 when alleged witnesses observed a large, hair-covered, upright creature in Spring Prairie and Lions, both in Walworth County. Well, I admit, listeners, that's a lot to take in. What do you think? Is there something stalking Bray Road and parts of Wisconsin? Or is it just more of the same, misidentifications, imagination, maybe even hallucinations? Well, before we take all of that up, let's hear some more from author and investigator Linda Godfrey. So, we have these very descriptive sightings over many years. These are not vague stories of seeing something odd. No, these are very specific stories, and those descriptions add up to describe a very singularly Unique creature in form and action. Linda Godfrey notes some unsettling traits these dogmen seem to possess. Godfrey documents in her book, American Monsters, it stares insolently at the witness, snarling at them as it proceeds on hind legs to wherever it's headed. She further notes many witnesses state it seems to have an unanimal like intelligence. One witness stated it seemed to look right through her as if it knew her. Another stated after she had passed it she could see it just staring at them from the rearview mirror. Godfrey also notes other characteristics that come up again and again. The creature seems totally fearless even when gunshots are fired. In fact, some people have reported shooting it with no effect at all as if it was bulletproof. And it has an amazing leaping ability covering distance and height that do not seem possible. While it could be something truly unusual, and, you know, we'd love unusual here on the Paranormal Factor podcast, is there perhaps a more rational or normal explanation for what has been seen? A number of misidentified animal-based theories have been proposed, including that the creature is simply a gray wolf, or maybe a large dog, such as a Great Pyrenees or Newfoundland. Or perhaps it's a wolf or coyote-dog hybrid. While not common in the southern part of the state, wolves are occasionally found in Walworth County and nearby areas. Others have theorized that the creature may be a bear suffering from mange. Like wolves, American black bears have been sighted in Walworth County. And black bears are very capable of standing and walking, even running, on their hind legs only. Skeptics believe the beast of Bray Road is actually a wild dog, and eyewitness accounts are skewered mass hysteria. It's also possible that hoaxes and mass hysteria cause some falsehoods and misidentifications of normal creatures to all be artificially lumped under the same label of a werewolf-like beast. There is also one more theory that we do have to consider, that the entire thing could have been an elaborate hoax. You may have picked up on some odd coincidences earlier. Notwithstanding the fact that Doris Gibson's encounter took place on Halloween, There were other problems as well. The most obvious issue to cause suspicion was the relationships between all of those involved in the case. Indrizi's mother, Pat Lester, is a central figure in the case. In addition to being one witness's mother, she was also Gibson's neighbor and drove the school bus that Gibson, Heather Bowie, and Russell Guest rode. Heather's mother was also a school bus driver. Tammy Bray was also a friend of Pat Lester's daughter and the wife of Scott Bray. It was also Lester who took the initiative to contact the newspaper about the sightings. However, it should be strongly pointed out that Lester never tried to influence the reports of the witnesses. It seems more likely that she was simply in a position to hear about the encounters and her interest and compassion towards those involved helped to encourage them to go public. So, could they have been making the whole thing up? Well, yes, of course they could have made it up. But is that likely? Well, probably not. Especially based on the fact that no one had anything to gain by making the sightings up. And the stories never really reached prominence until Linda Godfrey sought them out. And remember, she sought them out, not the other way around. Certainly, Linda was convinced of the truthfulness of their encounters. It is important to note that after Gibson's report and the following wave of previously unmentioned claims that appeared, there was some backlash on the witnesses. Most were discredited and people generally mocked their stories playing pranks and posting werewolf signs in their yards. It seems difficult to dismiss so many stories that are so similar. If something did exist on Bray Road, we may never know what it was. For now, the sightings seem to have ceased. At least official reports of the sightings have. We are left with a few very strange stories, a potential publicity stunt, and a lot of speculation. Godfrey says she doesn't buy into traditional werewolf lycanthropy theories, but she does think the creatures could have a supernatural element, perhaps similar to Native American shapeshifters, who some believe can exist in both the animal and human state. She appears more comfortable with theories focused on cryptozoology that say it could be an ancient creature from the past or a newly discovered one, but acknowledges she doesn't have all the answers. Linda Goffrey says, I don't know what it is. I don't claim to. I just take down the stories and then try and piece it together. One final story then. On an October night in 2004. A 47-year-old nurse from Milwaukee named Marie was telling her daughter and a friend about the legend of the beast while driving along Bray Road, and decided to play a spooky prank on the two teens by acting as if the car suddenly stalled out. She began slowing down, and to their horror, they all saw the beast right there in the flesh, just six feet away on the driver's side. It was taller than six feet, muscular, massive, and hairy, dark fur with silver gray, she later said. She requested her real name be withheld due to the sensitivity of her jaw. The legs were all wrong. Its knees bent the wrong way. We noticed the claws. Its hands were palms down just below chest level. The face was a little less hairy with furrowing around the snout and brow. We all just screamed and I drove away quickly. She says she isn't sure what it was. But she had the distinct feeling it was something otherworldly, beyond the norm of nature. It was not a Bigfoot creature, she says. I think of that as benevolent. This creature did not have a feeling of benevolence. The witnesses believe in what they saw. They believe it was an otherworldly encounter with something. A creature they cannot forget, even decades later. Something they do not want to see again. Something to consider if you ever find yourself driving down Bray Road on some late night in Wisconsin. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Well, another week, another quiz, my friends. So before we get to the quiz, you know I've got to ring in on our Facebook page. If you go out to Facebook and you search on The Paranormal Factor Podcast, you're going to come up with our page that has some great content. Every Monday, we have Monster Monday. Tuesday, you're going to get the quiz, but not the answer. You'll have to listen to that week's episode on Friday to get the answer. Wednesday, we highlight a paranormal film or book for you. And Thursday, we try to give you some current paranormal news from out there in the world. So let's get on with our quiz for this week. What was the possessed doll's name in The Conjuring? Was it A, Annabelle, B, Angelina, C, Anne-Marie, or D, Anastasia? Once again, what was the possessed doll's name in The Conjuring? Was it Annabelle, Angelina, Anne-Marie, or Anastasia? And the answer is... A. Annabelle. Annabelle is an allegedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll housed in the now-closed occult museum of the paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they are the ones that were responsible for the case that ended up becoming The Conjuring movie and a lot of other movies that went into the series as well. Annabelle was moved there after supposed hauntings in 1970. A character based on the doll is one of the antagonists that appears in the Conjuring movie Universe. Starring in the prelude of the first Conjuring film, the doll later had its own films in the series. But Annabelle is much more than a character in movies. She was a real doll that allegedly showed sinister possession and uncanny powers. According to the Warrens, A student nurse was given the doll in 1970. They said the doll behaved weirdly and that a psychic medium told the student the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased girl named Annabelle. The student and her roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit-possessed doll, but the doll supposedly exhibited malicious and frightening behavior. It was at that point that the Warrens say they were first contacted moving the doll to their museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. The doll remained in a glass box at the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, until the museum's closing. Texas State University Assistant Professor of Religious Studies, Joseph Laycock, says most skeptics have dismissed the Warren's museum as full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, dolls and toys, books you could buy at any bookstore. Laycock calls the Annabelle legend an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. And Laycock suggests that the idea of demonically possessed dolls allows modern demonologists to find supernatural evil in the most banal and domestic of places. Science writer Sharon A. Hill said many of the myths and legends surrounding the warrants have seemingly been of their own doing, and that many people may have difficulty separating the Warrens from their Hollywood betrayal. Hill has criticized sensational press coverage of the Warrens' occult museum and its Annabelle doll. She said, like real-life Ed Warren, real-life Annabelle is actually far less impressive. Of the supernatural claims made about Annabelle by Ed Warren, Hill said, we have nothing but Ed's word for this, and also, for the history and origins of the objects in the museum. The story of Annabelle was so successful at the beginning of the film, The Conjuring, that it went on to star in its own three-film series in The Conjuring universe. And there is one final difference between moviedom's Annabelle and the actual doll. The producers did not use the likeness of Raggedy Ann, partially due to potential trademark issues, but also partially to make the doll's appearance more unsettling for a horror film. Its appearance has been described as a terrifying porcelain doll that is disfigured and immediately menacing. And that's true. If you ever see pictures or or saw the film, it is a terrifying doll. The doll itself and its role in the films is certainly eerie enough to give you pause before bringing any porcelain doll into your house. But if you do, don't blame me if you come home only to find it in a place you didn't leave it, staring at you with a sickening smile. In our next episode of the Paranormal Factor Podcast, we investigate an old Texas legend, the haunted Goatman Bridge. In 1884, an iron through truss bridge was built over Hickory Creek on Copper Canyon Road, south of the old town site of Alton, Texas. At the time, it was called the Old Alton Bridge for the long-vanished town of Alton. It was a rural area, and all was relatively peaceful. That is, until hatred, bigotry, and violent murder cast an ominous spell over the spot. Some say a paranormal entity was born from it, one that still haunts and stalks the old Alton Bridge, even today. So, if you like ghosts, vengeful spirits, and dark unknown entities. This is your episode, listeners. Join me as we chase down a dark supernatural being who haunts the Goatman Bridge in Texas, next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco courtesy of Upbeat Music hey before you leave if you could please do me just two favors first of all if you did enjoy the show please leave a like on your favorite listening application and secondly if you liked what you heard please spread the word love to have some new listeners out there to join you I'm your host Richard Wright keep your eyes open for the unusual folks and thanks for stopping by